As I pass through my incarnations in every age and race, I make my proper prostrations to the gods of the marketplace. Peering through reverent fingers, I watch them flourish and fall. And the gods of the copybook headings, I notice, outlast them all. We were living in trees when they met us. They showed us each in turn that water would certainly wet us as fire would certainly burn. But we found them lacking in uplift vision and breadth of mind, so we left them to teach the gorillas while we followed the march of mankind. We moved as the spirit listed. They never altered their pace, being neither cloud nor wind-borne like the gods of the marketplace. But they always caught up with our progress and presently word would come that a tribe had been wiped off its ice field or the lights had gone out in Rome. With the hopes that our world is built on, they were utterly out of touch. They denied that the moon was Stilton. They denied she was even Dutch. They denied that wishes were horses. They denied that a pig had wings. So we worshipped the gods of the market who promised these beautiful things. When the Cambrian measures were forming, they promised perpetual peace. They swore if we gave them our weapons that the wars of the tribes would cease. But when we disarmed, they sold us and delivered us bound to our foe and the gods of the copybook headings said, Stick to the devil you know. On the first feminine sandstones we were promised the fuller life, which started by loving our neighbor and ended by loving his wife. Till our women had no more children and the men lost reason and faith. And the gods of the copybook headings said, The wages of sin is death. In the Carboniferous epoch we were promised abundance for all by robbing selected Peter to pay for collective Paul. But though we had plenty of money, there was nothing our money could buy. And the gods of the copybook headings said, if you don't work, you die. Then the gods of the market tumbled, and their smooth-tongued wizards withdrew, and the hearts of the meanest were humbled and began to believe it was true, that all is not gold that glitters, and two and two make four. And the gods of the copybook headings limped up to explain it once more. As it will be in the future, it was at the birth of man. There are only four things certain since social progress began, that the dog returns to his vomit, and the sow returns to her mire, and the burnt fool's bandaged finger goes wabbling back to the fire. 
and that after this is accomplished and the brave new world begins, when all men are paid for existing and no man must pay for his sins. As surely as water will wet us, as surely as fire will burn, the gods of the copybook headings with terror and slaughter return. The year was 1919. Britain was still staggering back to life, having been hammered by a global war where, for three and a third bloody years, the world had beaten itself into an armistice less than a year earlier. And in 1915, that same bloody conflict took Rudyard Kipling's son, John. On top of that, about nine months before the armistice, an epidemic began that would circumnavigate the globe. At the time, influenza would not subside for about another year. So we probably should cut Rudyard Kipling a modicum of slack for writing such a, a dark poem named The Gods of the Copybook Headings. On the other hand, Rudyard Kipling, if one can believe the 1959 World Book Encyclopedia, was a straight-up racist. Quote, he believed that the colored races, quote, sullen peoples, half devil and half child, end quote, were the white man's burden, end quote. So why examine a, a hundred-year-old poem in a Bible study? Stay with me on this. A copybook was a teaching method. The heading contained some line of wisdom that was intended for each young student to write one line after another until he or she filled the page with their handwritten version of the heading. The objective was twofold. First, the process of copying trained the pupil in penmanship. The sheer repetition of writing, coupled with a near unconscious review of previous attempts, was hoped to improve students' ability to write long-handed. The second objective is where society began, but over time became corrupted. The heading content was carefully chosen to cause children to learn precepts designed to instill morality and virtue. We call them proverbs. However, as Kipling came to understand, the content inexorably shifted from education to influence. The copybook became subliminal advertising and a revenue source for educators. Are we surprised Kipling would become dark and cynical? 
This is where we juxtapose an ancient counterpoint to the copybooks of the early 20th century. I offer, for your consideration, Psalm 119. The 119th Psalm is one of 11 chapters found in the Bible known as acrostic poems. Unlike the other acrostics, Psalm 119 is comprised of 176 verses divided into 22 sections or strophes. Each section is named for a letter of the Hebrew alphabet or alephbet. Each section contains eight verses. The first letter of each verse is the same as the letter assigned to the section. The first section is entitled Aleph, the first letter in the Aleph bet. Each verse in this first section correspondingly begins with Aleph. The sequence continues with the second letter, Beth, through the 22nd letter, Tav. The psalm is designed as a copybook for young Hebrew students, teaching them not only the Aleph Bet, but writing in Hebrew the 176 verses. The central theme of the entire copybook exercise is to teach the student that the Word of God is vitally important to his or her life. Moving through Psalm 119 begins with the letter Aleph in the first verse. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. And chapter 1 begins in a quite similar way. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. In the second verse, How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. The second verse reflects back to Deuteronomy Chapter 4, verse 29. But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you search for him with all your heart and all your soul. And forward to Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, where the Master says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. According to Savaya Fox, in the article, Aleph, the first Hebrew letter, contains depths of godly implications, quote, A deeper look at the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet can reveal endless insights into how God created the world and man, showing how the Hebrew language is imbued with layers of meaning which have deep biblical implications. 
the shape of the letter Aleph is also significant. It can consist of an upper, upper letter Yud, a lower letter Yud, and the letter Vav in the middle connecting them. The upper Yud represents God, as it is the first letter of one of God's names, Yahweh, and is reaching for the heavens. The lower Yud represents the Jewish people, called Yehudim in Hebrew. When Vav is written, it means and. It is a connector. Therefore, the diagonal Vav is uniting the Jewish people with God as represented by the Aleph. End quote. By the time we read Psalm 119 verses 174 and 175, I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live, that it may praise you, and let your ordinances help me. We will have traversed the letters Aleph, Mem, which is the 13th or middle letter, and Tav. Interestingly, these three letters joined together form the Hebrew word emet, or truth. In the familiar verse found in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Finally, in the last verse of the copybook, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Jesus, in his parable found in Luke chapter 15, verse 6, said, And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. For now, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.